buy me some peanuts and crackers, Jack. I don't care if I never get back. Hello and welcome to episode number 21 of the Sports Nuts Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy, otherwise known as Holster. And I am so glad I can say I got a co-host. Uh, makes this so much easier and better for you guys, too. The co-host I talk about is Mr. B. That's all I'm going to say today. He's going to be Mr. B today. Uh, perfect. Well, I want you to know it's Mr. First Place B. This past weekend, I t- overtook the uh, current first place uh, position in fantasy baseball and wiped him out 8-0-1. Well, that's good. Yeah, uh, we are on more. We're basically all week long. It's just, it's like a round robin. You know, you just collect points. Um, and this week, I just plummeted from second to sixth. Uh, I'll tell you, some of those weeks can be brutal. It's just a matter of riding out the storm, I think. Exactly. That's what's fun about it, though. That is what's fun about it. Speaking of baseball, before we go any further, we had a question emailed to me from Mike. Again, if you want any, uh, any questions, comment questions, concerns, corrections, whatever, just email Tracy at podness.com. And if you want to join us, come on, just email us, let us know. And I'm not going to use your last name unless you personally tell me to. So question from Mike. What is WHIP, W-H-I-P, in baseball? Good question. Uh, this is one of the questions no one really wants to ask, and they just kind of overlook it. Uh, but what WHIP is for a, for a pitcher, it's a pitcher stat. Basically what it stands for is walk and hits per inning. So if his WHIP is 1.5, Every inning, one and a half batters gets on to be a walk or a hit. Uh, and a triple is the same as a single. It's not like slugging percentage or anything like that. So a home run still counts as a just a single hit. So obviously the lower, that's why when you get down to the 1.1, 1.4, pretty decent, you know. Uh, so very seldom do you get below the one, but it does happen. Question for you, Bruce. Did you know what WHIP was? Actually, the funny part about it is I really did because uh, they went over it on the Sports Hub radio tonight. Uh, So actually, before this show, the short answer is no. But um, uh, it was interesting that it came up because they were talking about uh, um, Rick Porcello's start and uh, compared to last year, uh, the two comparisons were Drew Pomerantz and uh, Porcello. And even though Porcello has a better um, strikeout uh, per walk ratio, his whip is out of this world. So he's clearly letting a lot of people get on base. And, you know, that's partially the reason for his, um, his slump uh, currently. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, sometimes the whip can be misleading because there are pitchers that the as soon as a player gets on, they focus more and are better. So you might have a person with the whip, you know, one six, one seven. You're like, whoo, you know. But uh, sometimes some pitchers start to really focus once that happens. So yeah, it's it's uh, whip is it's an all around good stat. Um, I use that. For fantasy, uh, basically, when you are uh, trying to pick up and drop some pitchers because you got some injuries and you don't know what to do, and I don't have time to do a lot of research, sometimes I'll look at the whip 
and look at their innings pitched. If they have a good amount of innings in and their whip is real low, I know they're doing something right. So I might uh, pick them up if I need somebody without researching too much. So that's what I use it for, basically. Yeah, for me, I mean, this year, uh, I haven't... Well, let's put it this way. I looked at ERA first um, because I figured the, they would kind of go kind of hand in hand, but not always. So uh, for me, I've got a solid pitching staff, which takes care of it right now. Well, that's good. Well, that's the only question we had uh, for that. Um, anything about baseball before we continue on? Short answer is no. All right. Uh, I do have a couple football things here is I'm going to give my quick opinion on Colin Kaepernick where he will end up because I think he's going to end up somewhere. And it's basically coming down to who's going to take a chance on him. It's going to take a special team to do that. Looking at all across, and it's going to have to be a need and someplace that will accept him. Uh, smaller market teams generally accept problem people better than larger markets. So, uh, it, it, you know, it, the Cowboys being the total exception to that almost rule. Uh, but looking around it, it, right now, I don't know if he'll be on a team at the start of the season, but if he is, I think a nice little niche fit for him might be the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings have a track record for taking some trouble trouble uh, players. Usually it's very friendly contract for the team. Uh, the players want to get on a team, so they take it. Uh, they really don't have any quarterback signed after next year, a real quarterback. Uh, both their quarterbacks, you know, uh, are, are, you know, one's on injured reserve and the others was with them last year. They're both up after next year. So after next year, they have no plans. And their third-string quarterback right now, they got two kind of backups there. Their total third one is kind of a work-in-progress type deal. So he could slip right in as the third, see how he does, and possibly be a fit. I don't think he'd be a good fit there, but I think that would be a good fit. Another maybe contender and this is a little larger market, but it's the smaller team in that market is the Jets. The Giants are the big dogs in New York, generally speaking. If you're a Jets fan, I'm sorry. I'm more of a Jets fan than a Giants fan, so hopefully it makes you Jets fans feel better. Because right now they got like a 100-year-old quarterback and two rookies. That's basically what's going on with the Jets now. So uh, if one of the rookies isn't looking too good, I, I could see that another landing spot for Kaepernick. Uh, my take on this will be interesting because I think that ultimately what you may end up having is um, I don't think Kaepernick will actually end up in the NFL. The problem is, is that if you're an outspoken thinking individual, you will find yourself out of the league sooner rather than later. Yes, uh, very good chance he start playing and maybe get to the CFL. Now, I, I don't think he, you're not going to start. You're just not going to go to the CFL and start uh, unless you're very high talent, which sorry, but he's not at that point. It, 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 if he's, it's going to be a special something. It's going to be a special need for somebody to pick him up. I think in the NFL this year, realistically, you are right. Um, I think an injury would be the only way he's getting on a team. Uh, if it's not for that, I don't. 
I don't see going up to Canada. I don't see any team up there holding a grudge about the whole national anthem thing up there. I don't think they would really care unless they did it to the Canadian national anthem, uh, which they would care a lot more. Uh, but it's, I don't know how you do up there. I, I really don't. Uh, up there, you have to have a very strong arm uh, and very quick passing, which kind of two things he's not for. So speaking of the CFL, after we talked last week, actually Wednesday morning, ESPN updated their CFL preseason games. And there was actually a couple last weekend. So if you go to the show notes, there's a link address to, uh, of ESPN shows what channel is what's on. So you can start watching pre, uh, CFL preseason right now. Speaking of preseason, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have a new stadium, the new Mosaic Stadium in Saskatchewan, in Regina, Saskatchewan. They played the Blue Bombers. The very first game there was who's going to win the very first game there? Ended up a tie. <laughs> it's kind of funny about the very first game in a new stadium. Who's going to be the? It's a tie. Well, I guess in some ways it could have been better than what had happened. Yeah, if you lose your first game in a stadium, that's never good. I'm sorry, I dropped out there for a moment. <laughs> you know, it's funny, it could be worse. You could have been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who waited, what, almost two years before they got a first win in their own home stadium. So, yeah, I feel for them. They, they've got the precedence is set, though. Yeah, one thing I've always liked the Buccaneers way back when, when they always had that ship and they would blow the cannon off, I always thought that was cool. And let's face it, they did have some really talented players. They just couldn't put it together. Yeah, I, I don't know. Kind of reminds me of the 90s Vikings. <laughs> A lot of talent all over the place just kind of putting it together. So how cruel was it for Minnesota to bring back Bud Grant in the first round of the playoffs? Uh, I think it was the year before last, uh, knowing that they probably weren't going to get beyond the first round. Because, I mean, let's face it, that's the one thing that just haunted Bud Grant uh, through his entire career. He was a fabulous, I think it was a, a, an amazing coach, but never won the big one. Yeah, uh, the last thing they won was the year before the Super Bowl. They were the um, uh, NFL champions. That was before the AFL joined them. So they have that, but it's not a Super Bowl. And Bud Grant, did, did I tell you about how he has those uh, garage sales every year? No. He, every year, this was his last year, just like a week or two ago. For the last like 20, 25 years, he had a garage sale at his house everybody came to and you could get his autograph and everything and people started lining so they kind of worked up for charity uh, somebody would donate balls pictures whatever and you pay a few dollars and all that money would go to some charity and this he said this is the last year he's going to have uh his uh, garage sale so that is no more and he still did that people would line up down the street just to meet uh, bud grant uh uh, you know, I really miss the old days of 70s football because, you know, that was pretty much near the end of uh, that kind of era of football where defenses had names. I mean, let's face it, you had the Steel Curtain, you know, the Purple People Eaters, uh, the Fearsome Foursome. I mean, the Doomsday Defense, it was all there. Today, eh, it's a little too slick, and I'm surprised they don't have that kind of thing going on. Yeah, you got the Legion of Boom, but. 
it, it's usually it, it's like a one year thing for a name. Uh, that one year they're Legion of Boom. After that, eh, not so much. But you're right with Steel Curtain, Purple People Eaters, and all them. Five to ten years, that was their name. Now, here's a trivia question. So um, the year that um, Deacon Jones was defensive uh, end for the Rams, can you name the other three guys? I'm just going to say no. If I sat here long enough, there's a chance possibly I'd get one, but that's a little chance. Actually, I think it's a little easier than you would think. You have Merlin Olsen. Um, and, <laughs> sure, now I blank out. Uh, Deacon Jones uh, and Rosie Greer. And the fourth one, I think it was Youngblood, but I better check on that. Yeah, I was going to say Merlin Olsen, um, otherwise known as, uh, what was he, Father Murphy? <laughs> Correct. Uh, not to mention Mr. FTD. There you go. And who was Webster's dad in the 80s? Uh, shoot. Alex Karras. There you go. There you go. Thank you. And... Okay, I'm going to, since we're trivia now, another TV trivia. Who football player had the highest rated TV show of, of like a regular TV show, not like a talk show of anything, that was a former football player of all time? Oh, I want to say, oh, actually, it's the fourth man I'm forgetting, the guy who played Hunter. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to throw in the towel. Who is it? Sorry about the delay there. You are exactly correct, Fred Dreyer. That was that was the fourth member we were talking about. I thought he was a linebacker. Oh no, you're right. Here it is. It's Rosie Greer, Lamar Lundy. He's the fourth guy. Merlin Olson and Deacon Jones. There we go. Ah, the facts are straight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because Fred Dreyer, who's a linebacker, correct? Yes, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, that is still an awesome show. Matter of fact, speaking of that, last week I put Hunter. In my DVD Netflix queue. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, again, that's some quality TV with some quality football players. Exactly. I'm pulling up his bio here to make sure about Fred Dreyer. He played defensive end at San Diego State. And dun, 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 he's in the Aztec Hall of Fame. Drafted in 1969 by the Giants. Um, you are defensive end. Uh, uh, he has a record in 1973 of two safeties in one game. Huh, very good. So you are correct. I'd stand corrected. Uh, not really, because to tell you the truth, even though he's a defensive lineman, uh, he wasn't in that era of uh, folks that we had named. So we're going to have to walk away from that one slowly. Yeah, and... Were they not a 3-4 defense anyway, so he could be a linebacker slash defensive end? So, Yes, exactly. Uh, one uh, player from the past I want to throw a little shade on is Joe Namath. I'm really hard-pressed to figure out why exactly he made it to the Hall of Fame because one of the things that we looked at uh, last week was the amazing Nolan Ryan and his career. And yet, if you were to look at Joe Namath, nothing stands out about him as being amazing at all. In fact, he may be one of the few quarterbacks in the uh, Hall of Fame with actually a losing record. Yeah, he. I, I think he's in the Hall of Fame for being making a bold prediction before a Super Bowl. And saying that, 
it, every year the Super Bowl, if if one team is favored more than the other, uh, th- they always say, well, the person on the team that's you know not favored said they guarantee a win. Well, I hope they guarantee a win. If you're not favored, if you're not going out there say you're going to win, why are you even playing the game? Well, I think that's one of the funniest things I've always found out is when uh, they ask players about those kind of things, you know? It's like, do you consider yourself the greatest player in the league? Well, you know, on the on one hand, he's not going to say, uh, I'm the worst. So, uh, yeah, I've always gotten a kick out of those kind of questions. Yeah, there was... Who was it for the Cowboys? Boy, back about 10 years ago, asking him... Well, you know, basically, what do you, something similar to that, you know, how do you think your play was this year? It was one of their, you know, 4-12 and 12 seasons. He says, well, I wasn't the worst of my position in the league. So. Sometimes that's not wrong either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Other than that, in the NFL, we got mini camps going on all over the place. So uh, that's in the NFL going on right now. So that's your football talk. Any more football before we get into hockey? Well, actually, I'll just tie one last thing. You know, I think the team that's most desperate for a quarterback this year, oddly enough, is the New York Jets. I think if you were going to land a spot for Kaepernick, a Kaepernick that probably would have made the best possible um, option. But uh, at this point, I think he's on the uh, he's on the outside looking in. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They have two rookies and a 100-year-old at quarterback. So, All right. Hockey, 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 hockey. Uh, Before we get into the Stanley Cup, uh, there's an article in the notes basically talking about Ovechkin and five possible trade partners. Again, they have the stars first. And I just have a hard time seeing Ovechkin playing with Hitchcock. Because Hitchcock has to okay it. That was part of the deal when he came back. He says, any major trade, I have to okay it. Which is fine. I don't mind a coach okaying a trade. Uh, but it, it, I just don't see Ovechkin playing with Hitchcock. Well, and that's okay that you say that. Because uh, I think it was an article in today's uh, uh, Dallas newspaper that pretty much confirmed that any kind of talk regarding Ovechkin is just that. It, Jim Nill has other things he can put his money to. Yeah, uh, reading the article, one place, the Knights, obviously, but one place that really makes sense to me, and then kind of have to work it a little bit for the dollars to work, but really, really makes sense would be the Calgary Flames. I, I, that makes sense to me. And that would be interesting because you look at the um... – the years that uh, Jerome McGinley played for them, and he was a practically an institution up in Calgary. And to have that torch sort of passed on to somebody like Ovechkin, who would probably run out his career up there, that actually, you know, now that I think about it, that makes a heap of sense because you've got a supremely talented team leader there too. Correct. So... Uh... Out of everything there, besides the Knights make sense, just so they can make a splash and get you know butts in the seats, for lack of a better term. Barring that whole thing, which is you know the wild card of the room, uh, Flames just make sense every way you turn. If there's a trade, they still might kiss and make up there in Washington, but uh, it, it, it I I see the Flames, but. It was a good article to read. It was a good read. Go there, click on that. Uh, it was an ESPN story, which surprises me. Lately, ESPN hasn't exactly had great 
uh, hockey writing, you know, uh, but that was a good article. Yeah, the two sources that I've actually been going to these days is usually, well, actually three sources. Uh, the Toronto Globe and Mail, but I only get 10 stories a month out of them. And then, of course, uh, hockey, uh, uh, it's canoe.ca hockey slam. And then, uh, of course, SB Nation. Usually I go to the site, and that's usually where I get a lot of my rumors to begin with. Yeah, SB Nation is normally where to go. Not that I'm advising this or condemning it. I'm just saying this for educational purposes. When you got sites that limit you the number per month, uh, if you happen to get a proxy and connect to that proxy, pretty much every of those sites, you can uh, get more stories. Ah, yes. And something that another friend taught me uh, when he signed up for the NHL uh, Premier Pack, uh, he actually did it through a VPN, which is through a European country. And apparently uh, they charge Europeans a lot less for their full season of hockey. So something to consider. <laughs> uh, the only time I use a proxy is for some reason, because uh, I get the NHL and the baseball, they black out obviously the Rangers and the Stars. I might connect the proxy to a different city and watch them that way. So that's the only time I really use the proxies uh, for that purpose there. And blackouts drive me crazy, but I'll save that rant for another day. Yeah, blackouts were good in the 70s and 80s, but as soon as cable came along, it's, it's, it's not there anymore. The only thing it's there for, it's cable companies uh, are still there, and it's, 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 cable companies are dying. Uh, they are. Everybody knows it. So once they get close to dead, blackouts will be gone. But uh, yeah, before we get one more thing to talk about before we get into Stanley Cup, last week we said me and Bruce were going to pick for each other's team, and then our team, who the Knights were going to take from that team. So, Mr. Bruce, who do you think uh, the Knights are going to pick from the Dallas Stars? Uh, Cody Eakins, I think, is probably the guy that Dallas will most likely let go because at this point, I know they tried to trade him earlier uh, this year. He, I think he's kind of in the downward spiral for those guys, and I think he needs a fresh start. Uh, he's still really young, and he may be one of the most uh, attractive out there in terms of uh, players who are young and ha still have potential. Uh, he, for the stars, since I'll, I'm going to pick who I think, he was my second person, I thought. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, but I went with Stephen Johns. Uh, I think he's going to be the odd man out just because the stars are now going to have to protect uh, Verchunkin. I forgot his name. Uh, um, he played in the KHL last year, and he says he's probably coming back to the NHL again. So that leaves another spot they're going to have to take up. So I, 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 I I, I so I, I think it's I think they're going to take Stephen Johns, who's a defensive player, because I truly believe if you look at their general manager, who likes defense and he wants fast and he wants defense, and Stephen Johns, twenty four, starting to play a lot of minutes. He's young and he's very friendly on the salary cap very friendly for the next uh, i think three years two years three years and then yeah, two years then becomes an uh a, a restricted free agent so it, they would have control over him where Eakin, i think it's just 
one year, maybe two. So I, I think Stephen Johns is going to be the one from Dallas. Now, there was a third name in there, too, uh, Dan Hamwees. What do you think about his possibility? Yeah, it, the only reason I'm saying no is he had some playing time, but uh, Stephen Johns, with all the injuries, basically Dallas was, their symbol should have been the Red Cross this last year. Uh, it, it played a ton of minutes, a ton of minutes, and he looked solid. So there's a lot of tape on Johns, a lot of tape. That's the only reason I'm saying him. Now, if they were wanting a forward that could possibly explode and be good, then you want to go Eakin. If if they want to make a real good line so they're not embarrassed out there, if they have a lot of young players, getting three forwards and Eakin one of the three could step in and be on the number one line. It wouldn't be the best number one line, but he could go in there and really help out two higher-end people for a solid first line. Okay, now, my pick for the Bruins. Uh, this one was hard for me because there was a couple out there. Uh, I was thinking of the – you told me uh, who you had. I was thinking of him. But I'm going a complete different directions. I'm actually thinking there's a person they, they cannot really protect. He's in the uh, AHL right now. He's their goalie probably in the future. He's 23 years old, Malcolm Subin. Uh, I, I think they're going to get a – we all know who they're probably going to get, a flurry, good chance. They are going to need a goalie in the future. He could come in and be the backup goalie one or two years and step right in and be their goalie in the future. So I'm predicting Malcolm Subban from the AHL. Oh, I can tell you why that will never happen. Uh, well, they could certainly pick him up. Uh, but if they did, they didn't do their homework because uh, the times that he came up this year in short relief for Rask, it was an utter, outright disaster. Uh, his first game, he gave up eight goals. And I think his confidence was shaken so badly uh, that at one point, Boston stopped calling him up and started bringing McIntyre up a lot more, uh, more often. So there was Boston had a big problem last year. They couldn't rely on the farm club to pick things up, and that's why I think it was important for Hudobin to have the kind of uh, second half that he did, because otherwise the Bruins would have clearly been out of it. But uh, Subban, he's a train wreck. I, I'd be very surprised if uh, they did go with him, but. Eh, I'm not the GM and I'm not picking that. So uh, that's kind of why I went with Jimmy Hayes. But there's a stronger candidate there too, and that's in Dominic Moore. Yeah. Uh, one reason I like Subban is I really see the Knights taking three goalies, three separate goalies. And I don't know if he'd be the backup. He might be their AHL affiliate. Um, are they in the AHL? Or they? I don't know. That's No, discussion. you're right. You're right. Um, okay, I forgot. I didn't know if they were in the AHL or if they were in another league, but uh, I, I I see them taking three goalies, uh, two more experienced people and a younger person. I think he's going to be the younger person, and one of the more experienced person they might use for trade bait, uh, and then bring uh, Subin up to be the backup. So I see that, and I really see three to five of the players they take being trade bait for draft picks or young players. Uh, you get a team, i.e. Dallas, 
you know, they take a player here, there, and Dallas wants that good defensive player who's pretty friendly on the cap space. Uh, Dallas can say, hey, I got that 29th pick right there. Can I have it? So I see three to five of them traded. Maybe not before this draft, but I think before training camp's over, three to five of the players will be traded. And I think three goalies, and then one team's going to be have somebody hurt early on a training camp, and I see that's where that's going there. So that's that's why I'm thinking Subban, because uh, I'm, I'm I looked around for goalies, young goalies, and the only quote quote goalie the future for the teams who they're kind of thinking that's not going to be protected is Subban, and because of the shakiness he had this year, and just numbers game for Boston. Now, here's another interesting uh, twist on this. So my understanding is that if uh, a team has uh, some prospects and some options, what they can do, they have the option of what they call bribing uh, a team like Las Vegas. So, for example, as you know, and Boston currently is uh, talking to Minnesota uh, about uh, their defenseman, Broden. And he's pretty highly coveted right now because he's got age on his side. And, um, you know, it's at this point, Minnesota won't be able to protect a lot of players on their roster. Uh, in fact, there's also this name also came up for Dallas, too, if I remember. So what Boston has is that they were they were definitely putting in to make an arrangement to trade to Minnesota uh, for Broden. And the thing is, is that if they trade for him, they can't protect him from Vegas. However, Boston can give up a draft pick in order to secure Broden uh, from Vegas if they choose to. And Boston's already stated there's a good possibility that they may give up their first round draft pick. Yeah, speaking about bribing, that's exactly what Columbus did this last week. Uh, They kind of make an agreement. They won't select uh, basically... The way I read it, and it hasn't really been released in detail as far as I know, but they basically said, hey, here's a list of five people you'll take. If you agree to this, we will give you you know, a player to be named later or cash later. And Las Vegas said, okay, so don't know who the player or the cash is. So you're right. There is some agreements going on behind the scenes. And what I'm seeing is they're taking one of them players and the player to be named later uh, will be somebody from the farm system. You know, one of those hit or miss guys, you know, that teams will give up just saying, Hey, he has a chance to be really good or he's going to be done, you know, with us in two years. So that's what I see doing that. And Las Vegas might do that a couple times just to help load up their uh, farm teams a little more. Now to add a little bit more intrigue to the goalie, uh, that they'll have options for. Peter Budai is one player that I know that they have a shot at. But interestingly enough, the word out of Philadelphia is that Mason is expendable. In fact, they're making a run at uh, Flurry of all people. But the way they're going to get Flurry is not through uh, dealing with Pittsburgh directly. It's actually going to be through a another side deal with a um, another team. I, I couldn't remember if it was Ottawa that was in the running for it or what, but the the trade has Mason going to Philadelphia via another team. So that'll be very interesting. If that does not work out, 
then can you imagine Mason and Budai on Vegas? That would be a strong tandem to start the season with. Yeah, but do they want to spend that much money? Very few teams are like the Stars and say, hey, we're going to spend a ton on goalies. You know, uh, speaking of that, uh, one goalie that might be expandable is one or the two of the Stars goalies uh, because they're going to cut one of the two, and I think they're hoping one will get taken. So, and I, that's a lot of money on goalies, but they might say, hey, we're not going to have a strong team. If we have two good goalies, we'll be in a lot of the game. So maybe they do want to do that. Well, and it's interesting because one of the things that seems to be at a premium this year are good defensemen. Holy cow. I, you know what? A lot has changed in the last uh, two years for Boston because two years ago, going into the season, they had eight defensemen and then some bad management happened because then what happened is uh, Boston let a couple of uh, good players go away. They, they sent um, uh, 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 Boychuk over to uh, the Islanders for nothing. They let him get away with nothing. And we went from a surplus of defensemen down to barely having enough to fill out three lines. And I don't know what's happened since, but it looks like we're on the uptick now where we've got some good defensemen going into the new year, but let's face it. They still need some good experience strength in the back. Yeah. I think what an outsider's view of Boston, looking at the Boston team, this is just an outsider's view is that when they traded um, Seguin to Dallas when they basically said, hey, we're going for it this next year, and they really didn't do much that year because I think they also gave up a draft pick too. Uh, I think that really hurt them for a couple years after that. Uh, I, I really do. I think they were really going for it, and it just didn't work out. Well, and there are so many bad things with that too because, you know, when the day is done, I would have thought that Boston would have done one of two things a little bit better realizing that they were never going to keep Sagan, they could have they could have held on to him and waited till the perfect trade opportunity arose because to get rid of him the way they got rid of him, they essentially gave them to you guys for literally nothing. We have nothing to show for that trade now. Yeah, it now here's the thing. Uh, part of it I think when they traded to him was I think Boston just gave up on him because of the stuff off the ice. And when Dallas traded for him and he got here, he was sat down and said, here's the deal. You know, you are going to have a driver and you are going to have a security guard and you're going to be in your house by 10 p.m. every night except game days, you know, for the first year. And he agreed to it. And I think that kind of changed his mold a little bit. And would he have done that in Boston? I don't know. But you are right. If they would have waited till two weeks before the trade deadline, they could have easily got a number one, easily got a number one draft pick from, you know, 10 different teams. And I think it's funny because in hindsight, when you look at it now, uh, the number third uh, pick in that draft was Cam Fowler, uh, who was the highly sought after defenseman, which uh, the Ducks actually got. Um, But again, it's interesting because it could have been, it would have been interesting to see had Boston actually gone with Fowler first and then, you know, played their their hand at it because what I don't understand is that if you're going to go after somebody like Sagan, wouldn't have been in your interest to protect him all the way. I would have paired him up with a senior guy and telling you know a character player like uh, a Sean Thornton or Chris Kelly. It's like 
You're his partner from here on out. You will shadow him everywhere he goes because he's a $5 million a year investment. You need to protect players like that. Yeah, that is minor league baseball is really, really good at that. You see those 30-year-old minor leaguers, and you're like, what the heck is he still in the minor for? He's a plain coach. He's he's like a coach. He's helping the players, but he's not the coaching staff. He's a player, so he's got the inner ear, and he can help all them players out. And he'll do that till he physically can't play anymore, then go right into a coaching job. So baseball has that really, really good, you know, in doing that. Uh, and maybe hockey should start looking at that too. I, I think uh, that might be pretty good. Okay, okay, okay. Stanley Cup is over it's done and before we say everybody knows that this time uh, pittsburgh did win it my opinion is the last game was very good now before i say the next statement pittsburgh was the better team okay pittsburgh was the better team between the two for all the games put them together but i don't think i've seen a team get more help from the refs than i did this series well full dis full disclosure once um uh i think some of my favorite teams got knocked out of it i essentially checked out of it um uh, but yeah you're correct in terms of uh the things that i'd seen regarding uh, the the low lights for me anyway uh the fact that i absolutely am beside myself that pittsburgh got the cup eh, you know what good for them they they clearly outplayed but you're right um there were some very basic penalties that should have been called i mean how crosby got away with throwing the bottle on the ice i don't get because it's clearly stated in the rules that that's two minute penalty uh and then the handle the manhandling of suban when he was down on the ice how did he not draw a penalty for that that's all that's what we were talking about last week special players get special and he is he gets more leeway than i think any other player uh the series they had when they were playing oh who was it was it washington but Crosby had a hit on the back of the calves with a swing. No penalty, no nothing. Talk to him afterwards, and he says, oh, I was just swinging at the puck. The player didn't have the puck, you know, so I don't know how he gets away with some of this stuff Crosby does. It's because he's the star on the ice. Uh, if you're a Pittsburgh fan, you're going, oh, you're just sore losers. I had no bone in this. I'm just calling it like I see it. Crosby is a special talent. But, I'm uh, boy, I'm... Yeah, it, it's they got more help. But saying that, they were the better team. Well, one of the stats that actually jumped out at me, at that point, there were 10 different players for Pittsburgh who scored. And let's face it, when you're getting that kind of production from everybody on their team, uh, Nashville didn't stand a chance. And what the heck happened to Pekka Rene? This, this boy absolutely disappeared from the series. Who is Pittsburgh rookie that had a standout year my mind's going blank right now gensel yes here's why next year i think pittsburgh's gonna have a down year did you hear what he said uh in the locker room after the when they were like you know showing him there they're spraying everything everywhere you heard what he said no here's why he just jinxed them and uh some uh, some of the pittsburgh press was getting on him for this too and he says we are in a dynasty we got 10 more seasons of this 
All right. Well, you can put an RIP at the end of that one. <laughs> exactly. Usually when that happens, uh, yeah, they hit a big, uh, you know, curb check <laughs> for that. So, but yeah, it, it's like I said, they were the better team. Uh, soon as the playoffs started, they started off slow, but the longer they played, they just looked good. Um, they looked good with the exception every now and then the goalie would just be like uh we don't need a goalie don't worry about it we don't need a goalie other than that i think every game they look better and better for the most part well a couple of things also that stood out here is that um prior to this round of playoffs and actually the cup final uh, there was always a um a little bit of undercurrent regarding uh Rene in big games and this didn't do anything to silence those critics because um he had kind of a down year last year and the team really needed him to show up especially in the biggest biggest series of their life this year and um he was virtually a no-show and i'm not saying that it was entirely his fault but boy i'll tell you he's responsible for easily half of those losses yeah okay i'm putting you on the spot here Without knowing trades, without knowing the draft pick, without knowing free agent signings, who is your pick next year going to the Stanley Cup from the East? Oh, I was hoping you'd say who's going to from the West because oh, we're getting we're, we're getting we're getting to that from the East. Wow, let me think about that because it's going to be a lot of changes this year. Okay, Washington, I'm you I'm gonna first. yeah I'll go East and then uh, you can go first on the West. I'm saying Pittsburgh again, just looking at their core, looking at what they have. I'm looking around. Now it's very easy for them to stumble and somebody to come up. Yes, but right, just right now without knowing a lot of the changes, which there's going to be a lot, I'm saying Pittsburgh. There could be some factors to consider too. So as of today, today is June 13th, and their cup literally, they just won the cup on uh, Sunday. So right now, as of right this second, they have 45 more days before spring train um, for before camp opens for them again. I don't think a third cup in a year in a row is going to be possible for the sh simple fact of yeah, they do have some young guys, but they will be exhausted. So one of two things has to happen: rest a lot of players up in the first half of the season, and then have a strong second half with all the players that you rested. But uh, I think a third cup in a row would be very difficult, especially when we see some of the rising talent, especially north of the border. That's what I was going to say. What do you think of Ottawa? Ottawa is the team that will be interesting to me, but the two teams I'm really focused on actually is Calgary and uh, Edmonton. Edmonton is the beast of the West. Yeah, it, it's for me, um, albeit there's trade rumors all over the place, all over the place with Chicago. I see Chicago every time they are out of the playoffs early or they don't make the playoffs the next year they become juggernauts every every time and minutes and stars are always next to them and so i'm saying chicago uh, i think even though literally uh, you've seen pretty much everybody's on the trading block with them because they have to cut some money and they want to start getting a little younger although they're kind of mixed young and old 
Uh, I'm hearing some rumors about Taze, which surprised me. Uh, you know, I'm hearing some other rumors too. So, but I, I'm still, I'm going to pick Chicago. Oh, I think that's a hands down no brainer. You're correct. I think that this little, this being ushered out in the embarrassing facts fashion that they were this year, I wouldn't be surprised if they come into the next season with a chip on their shoulder because they've got important players in key positions that are coming back. I mean, Crawford, he's one of the most silent superstars there is out there. He plays solidly all year round and if the team doesn't fall asleep and the, let's face it, he couldn't score the goals for them this year because I mean, the first two games where they sh- were shut out, that's, that's unheard of for me. You're the Boston general manager, your dream job. Would you trade for Taze? <sighs> yes. Yes, I would. Okay. Me being the stars, Jim, I would say no, just because I'm looking at my forwards now and what I'm spending and I, I can't justify that much more. I got to start spending some on defense. So for me, the stars, because they have some talent forwards now, uh, I would have to say for the stars, no. Uh, just dollars. It comes down to dollars and cents. I have to spend some of that money on defense. Well, Boston's defense is fairly young, and they had the luxury of having a couple uh, come up straight from the minors, straight into their lineup in the playoffs this year. Uh, Charlie McAvoy is the real deal. I, I like the what he could possibly bring. Um, you've got Brandon Carlo, who was phenomenal all year long. He was a stay-at-home defenseman, and he was good at moving the puck out of the zone. Uh, and then, of course, Tory Krug is a good offensive defenseman. So I think with that solid core of players right there, uh, the defense is not so much of a problem. I don't know what really happened with the offense this year because it was really inconsistent. But um, Krejci, uh, I think his days are possibly numbered in Boston because, um, you know, he didn't have the kind of season he was expected. And Spooner certainly wrote his ticket out of town. Yeah, th- that was talk about young defense, Sam with the Stars. If, if there was a shining light on the Stars this year with all the injuries, all the young defense of who they've been gathering lately – Looked pretty decent. That's why Stephen Johns, who I was saying they might grab, by end of next year or the start of the season after, he's definitely going to be number three or number four defenseman. Uh, He's going to be right there. He was looking that solid. Uh, But here's a question since you're the GM now and you said you're going to trade. Would you give up? Um, not a high prospect, but a decent high prospect. Let's say a prospect number four to six, number four to six on your list, plus your number one this year for Taze. Yeah, I could easily do that. I mean, <laughs> it's not my money, but uh, I think that, uh, you know, right now they've got a good core there. They just need to flesh it out with some uh, key players. And right now, I mean, uh, I think having a player of that caliber coming to the Bruins uh, and the fact that the the scenario is perfect because that's one thing. Bruce Cassidy doesn't play conservative hockey. And I think that when he took over, it was clear the players were excited about this. And let's face it, uh, during a stretch, they were scoring five goals a game. So that's really kind of hard. Uh, that's hard to maintain to a whole season. But that's what got them into the playoffs. So a full season of Bruce Cassidy behind the bench, well, the Bruins didn't have a choice anyway. So uh, it could be exciting hockey in Boston this year. Here's what I think that would be good, too. Uh, me being an outsider looking in at Boston, uh, 
Right now, there's no one on the Boston roster that scares me. I'm not saying for scoring. Scares me in a point where if I'm just being rude on the ice, it it's the people that I got to worry about are getting old or, or are old. Uh, Taze kind of has that little Ovechkin in with them where he will mix it up, you know, when and if he needs to. So if, if Taze was there, I he would scare me a little bit, not just from the offensive talent is I got to watch out for him too, because he's going to be on the ice all the time and he's not afraid to mix it up. Yeah. And I think that's really one of the things that was missing from the Boston team this year was an identity because you've got your silent leaders. There are plenty of them. I mean, I think the world of Patrice Bergeron, I think he's my favorite Boston player, uh, unglamorous, but does the freaking job day in and day out. And then, um, Zdeno Chara, same thing, you know, Great work ethic, but he's getting long in the tooth. And let's face it, if you've got even a quarter of the speed, you will beat him around the edge pretty fast now. Yeah, so that does make sense. Uh, and, and will they pull the trigger on that? Don't know. But there's a lot of rumors flying out Chicago. I'm really looking forward to uh, coming up here as soon as uh, trading season begins. Uh, and and it, it's... Are you going to watch the uh, expansion draft coverage live? I wasn't really planning on it, but, you know, these days I've got a little more time on my hands. I might very well do that. Yeah, maybe that is something that, and maybe the draft, don't know, we haven't even talked, is maybe we can schedule another special recording. I would totally be up for that if you want to do that. Sure. And again, we talked about watching a game. Uh, a CFL game. You guys can join us if you want inside Mumble. We do record on Mumble. Uh, we can help you set it up if you don't know how. And Mumble can handle a lot of different people. So, and we'll tell you how to do it where you're not jumping on everybody if you've never done it. You know, push button to talk, and we'll tell you all that if you want to join us. But we kind of tentatively, just just tentatively, are thinking about July seventh, Friday night. Uh, and uh, next week we will get that more firmed in stone time and make sure that's okay. So right now, start seeing if you want to join us July 7th. That's a Friday night, and I think the game is around 7 Central. So let me know if you want to do that, and that's great. But me and Bruce are definitely going to record if we can hammer that out that date. Now, I think one of the things I know that we're running, um, we're running some time here, but let's go over the Dallas Stars next week because um, there are a few things we can definitely talk about in regards to their lineup as well. Shoot. Oh, well, we were talking about, um, you know, getting Taze moved over. Now, don't forget, one of his line mates is already playing for you guys, and that's Patrick Sharp. Correct. Um, uh... The pieces are in Dallas right now. They are there, barring injury. Uh, they were there close to last year. I would really like a top four defensive player, another one. One more top defensive num number top four, preferably a top three defensive player. If we can land that somehow, this, I'm not saying that I'm a Stars fan. The Stars are an interesting team next year. Uh, because you always get that little pump for a new coach, and everybody knows Hitchcock is a 
no nonsense, you're going to work or you're not going to play. And everybody knows that. And that's what everybody was worried about. Again, what's going to happen? The first day he was there, Hitchcock sat down with Seguin and they talked. And Seguin says, I have no problem with that. Um, that's fine. So everybody was kind of, quote, quote, happy uh, when that happened. But you are correct. It, if Taze was there, wow. Would there be a team with a better one-two line than the Stars? Right Pittsburgh? now? No, no. Not from what I'm looking at right now. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because I actually really never paid close attention to the lineup until just moments ago. I mean, look at the firepower that you guys have. Jason Spezza, Patrick Sharp, Tyler Sagan, uh, Antoine Roussel can also uh, score at will sometimes. Yuri Hudler. Alex Hemsky, who came over from Colorado, he's a solid player. Uh, Patrick Eves, this is a solid, solid team. Correct. Um, it, it's they're very. It, it's they have. I know there's a lot of Canadians, uh, and for some reason, the Stars in the last ten years have really, really preferred Canadians. And the Northern Europe players, you know, the Sweden and the Finland and, you know, a little bit to the Czech in, in that area there. And there's and no offense to the American players, but as a whole, you get to those players places in Europe and you get to Canada, they're a little more the grinding player. The U.S. players are generally a little more the finesse you know, um, player. So it, it's, that's kind of their philosophy. You look at where they're from, you see a lot of Canadians and you see a lot of, you know, the Northern Europe states. And I think that has a lot to do with the stars makeup right now. Well, one of the things that became pretty apparent to me also in looking at the, uh, uh, what happened stage as I'm looking at their scoring, Oh, there are a few players that stood on the ice a little too long. Even Sagan, despite scoring 72 points, was still a negative 15 on the ice. Spezza was negative 18. Uh, Patrick Sharp was negative 22. Holy smoke. Yeah. Um, Stars were the only team in the NHL last year not to have their roster from day one to finish. Every other team had at least a game of their roster. Stars were the only one, and if I'm thinking right, out of the the the, the top nine forward and the top six defensivemen, uh, there was not one game where they were there. Not one game. So injury. I'm not saying this as a Stars fan, uh, and I'm when I say this, I'm really really hoping I'm right. <laughs> Last year was an anomaly just because of the injuries. They really couldn't get anything. That's why. He got such a raw deal getting fired, but it was time for change, even though if he would have did okay. It, it, yeah, but yeah, the talent is there. Like I said, I would love a top three defense, though. And uh, now that I really think this is the first time since uh, going all the way back to uh, Belfer that I really feel decent about the goalie, even though. You know, a lot of people called him Eddie the Civ, but I felt comfortable with him in there. And this is the first time I felt since then of the goalie situation for this year. I'm a big fan of Eddie the Eagle. 
But I will also tell you this too. One of the big things that I don't think people realize is when Dallas picked up Ben Bishop, not only did they get a goalie, but they got a man who actually helps run the defense too. Because one of the most, uh, so what is it, two years ago when the Lightning were in the playoffs, one of the most very apparent thing is who was the boss on the ice. And the difference between Bishop and Vasilevsky, because Bishop got hurt in one of the series, so he had to sit a few games, but um, nobody ran the defense on the Lightning better than Bishop did. And I think that bringing that kind of veteran quality uh, to the net will actually bode very well for the young defensemen that are on Dallas. And uh, I think that this was probably the best move they could have made this year. You are correct. What I was going to say is here's why I love him at the goalie. Uh, Watching an interview last year, talking about what you want to do, because as soon as they signed him, I wanted to find more about him. And what do you want to do? He wants to be a coach. He wants to be a coach. So that means a lot to me right now is where I know he's studying the tapes, he's studying the other teams, and he's studying tactics, which is always good. And let's face it, I think that the sport has morphed so differently over the years that, you know, uh, the game has changed a lot since we were kids. And, you know, there's so much more technical aspects of it, even to the way the players play their positions now. And I think the goalies get better and better every year. And it doesn't matter about the equipment, maybe a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, is the raw talent is there. Yeah, I think Spezza is going to have a huge year because it's a contract year, and he's going to be 34, 35. No one is going to want a long-term deal, but if he has a good year, somebody's going to sign him for a good money one year. They're going to. So I think Spezza is going to come out really hard this year, too. So I expect some things from Spezza, too. And, uh, yeah. All right. Is there anything else you want to add before we uh, kill this episode off? No, I think we covered a lot of ground as always. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Thank you. So, again, if you have any comments, questions, corrections, concerns, just email Tracy at podcast.com. If you ever want to join us, come on and join us. If you want us to talk about a specific topic, just let us know. Thanks every time for taking time out of your busy schedule, downloading and listening to this episode. Everybody have a good day. Good week. 